Welcome to Market Scale Transportation. I'm Sean Heath, and I'm about to have a chat with the co-founder and COO of Pretech, Sasha Kucharzik. Sasha, how are you today? I'm doing great yourself, Sean. You know, I'm doing fairly well, I guess. I got my car back out of the shop last week, and I ugh, I hate putting my car in the shop because I, I never understand about 90% of what they tell me is wrong with it. I, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I'm smart enough to put a computer together from scratch, but when they start talking about alternators and, and transmissions and uh, it just goes over my head and it really wears me out, it, sometimes it makes me not want to have a car. I love driving. But sometimes I wish I could just automate the whole thing and stop worrying about that. Um, you, I think, feel somewhat the same way, but you're a little more intellectual in the way you approach it. Tell me how those thoughts brought you to found Pretect. Uh, sure, Sean. So Pretect is a predictive diagnostic company for uh, vehicles. So we use vehicle data to understand what's currently happening in a vehicle and what's going to be happening in the future in the vehicle in terms of your maintenance needs. And so that problem you're talking about of never knowing what's happening, you're not alone. I mean, most of society is probably that way. Vehicles are extremely complex. They're getting more complex pretty much by the year. And so something needs to be there to simplify it and create a peace of mind. Part of it is to understand what maintenance you actually need. But the other side of it is to, even for the people in the know who can understand all that, simplify all this complexity that is happening. So it takes them a lot less time to understand what needs to be done and why it needs to be done. I'm assuming that has to be the biggest struggle of personal car ownership. Exactly. And you're somewhat fortunate that you don't have to be driving your vehicle to make money. But for the people who are driving uh, vehicles as a revenue generation source, that problem is even worse. So you mentioned the tow truck and those annoyances. But if for every minute you're not on the road, you're actually losing money. That's an exponentially bigger problem. I know that you are you love data. You are really very much a data sort of geek. And I say that with all respect. That data is so, there's such a massive amount of it that has to be organized and analyzed. I'm going to guess that artificial intelligence is going to have to come into this at some point just to help us manage this massive amount of information that we're about to start tracking. Exactly. And so the way we approach artificial intelligence is trying to automate or mimic the decisions an expert mechanic would make. Vehicles are loaded with sensors to creating countless amounts of data. But the problem is most of that data can't be used to understand what's happening. There's just too much of it and it would be too costly to be continuously looking at it. And so if you look at these expert mechanics, they only will look at a small snapshot of data when you bring it into the shop, either collecting it themselves or if you had a data logger on uh, your vehicle, either it came pre-installed or the driver installed it, they can use that data to get some judgment of what's happening or what has happened. But that is a very small freeze frame. But if you can look at what these mechanics are doing and then mimic it, you can now be taking what these expert mechanics would have been doing in terms of diagnostic and make it happening continuously 24-7 with every vehicle being monitored. Now, obviously, I have a little more of a selfish perspective because I'm just thinking about how an autonomous vehicle would affect me personally. But this is a much larger 
discussion than just me personally. This is a revolution in transportation, this thought of autonomous vehicles and autonomous tracking of mechanical needs and systems. This could be a revolutionary change for quite a few industries across the board, right? Oh, without question. I think everything's going to change because of autonomous vehicles. And I'm not just talking about uh, how we get from point A to point B. I mean, that's probably the first order of things. But once every, everything or nearly everything becomes autonomous in terms of vehicles, um, you or I probably aren't going to be the ones buying vehicles, maintaining them, getting fuel, whatnot. And if you think of how society today is currently structured, well, you have all these parking lots, both uh, in any high-rise building being made, but also in downtown cores. You have gas stations, you have vehicle dealerships, you have a mom and pop maintenance shop. All that stuff will no longer have the same value or be generating the same type of value uh, once autonomous vehicles are adopted and owned and operated uh, by larger fleets. And so you're going to see a massive change just, you know, what every street corner looks like in a city, how every building is being built. So the way we get around can definitely influence where we're going to, and it could change architecture. I think it really will. That is very much a Blade Runner sort of approach, hopefully without the the killer robots. Do you think we get to a day where we don't own personal cars? I think it will be a reality for 95, 99% of society, if not larger. There will always be some people who will own personal vehicles because they'll have the demand of, you know, they're always driving or moving around or, you know, when they need a vehicle, they need a vehicle right away and it's time sensitive. But outside of that, I I think very few and far between uh, situations will uh, actual individual own a personal vehicle. There are a lot of regulations that apply to the ownership of a vehicle in the United States specifically, but it always seems like someone is trying to find a shortcut around a specific regulation. Maybe it's a corporation trying to find a shortcut around diesel regulation. Maybe it is a a fleet owner that is trying to get around certain regulations with regard to the number of hours that a driver can put in, or there's always an opportunity to try and find some shortcut to circumvent regulations. How could the development of autonomous vehicles remove that as an incentive? So I think um, autonomous vehicles are going to create a bunch more regulation at first, but then they're going to make a lot of current uh, regulations rather redundant. And so you mentioned hours of service for driving. Well, you know, that's a huge thing in the transportation industry today. But if you have an autonomous vehicle driving, it doesn't have the same fatigue or uh, wear that a human driver would have. And so a lot of the regulations, at least my opinion, is a lot of the regulation today are based off of human error. And so if you can remove the human from the equation, you no longer need those regulations. So part of it, I think, think regulations will simplify, but I think other people will try to find ways uh, intentionally or through, you know, not getting through Q&A that regulations will not uh, be fully met. And you might see some of that with the safety of autonomous vehicles. One of the primary concerns in the transportation industry is environmental. 
the primary issue with regard to autonomous vehicles, I think, is their safety. Because, yes, they are programmed to react and respond, but they're programmed by humans who make mistakes. And I would imagine there's a huge challenge in making sure that you don't program a human mistake into artificial intelligence's subset or subroutines. How do you view that challenge? So I think no matter what you do, there's going to be human-based error in any type of algorithm being designed. I, I don't think there's such a thing as a perfect situation without human fault. So I think one of the things that we'll have to accept is, you know, autonomous vehicle will be safer than human drivers. So, you know, they're probably safer today. The scary thing or the thing I think a lot of people have resistance to with autonomous vehicles is that if there is a fault or an accident, it's not because of their own actions that caused it. It is the actions of the fault of someone else outside of their control. And I think there is some type of psychological issue of, you know, being more scared of things that they don't control than they do control, even if the thing that they don't control is statistically safer. Yeah, giving up control, giving up a bit of your freedom in order to have a taxi, for example, take you from point A to point B and not having to drive the thing yourself. It seems to be a really delicate balance of freedom to choose and to control every minute of your activity versus relinquishing some of that freedom to the autonomous vehicle. That seems like a really scary proposition to me, but it seems like a worthwhile discussion to have. As you mentioned, is people don't like giving up freedom. You know, whether they're being forced forced to give it up or if they are, you know, voluntarily giving it up, there will always be significant resistance. On the other side, as opposed to giving up freedom, having these integrated transportation networks could increase the freedom and productivity of individuals who aren't at a point where they already own a personal vehicle. Improving the movement of humans from one place to another seems like it would be a huge social benefit. I think that's completely true. And I think if you look at you know future cities, the concept of commute will be very different. Now, let's look at what a future autonomous car could look like. Um, it could be a ride-sharing vehicle that uh, you know, normally you can have four people sitting in a vehicle. Let's just assume you still have four passengers. But instead of them sitting together, you could effectively have, you know, the vehicle broken up into four different pods. And each person could have like a private pod where they can, you know, watch Netflix or they could be doing work on the way to work or whatever they want to be doing. And it wouldn't feel like the same type of commute as if they had to drive themselves or take uh, public transit. And so the concept of what a commute is or uh, how much a commute wears on someone could significantly change. And if commutes aren't as costly towards someone, now they might be willing to live further away or change where or how they live, which could completely change uh, urban design. I'd like to talk for a moment about the mobility as a service trend and the way that that is starting to present itself in the automotive and transportation industry. It's really similar to an REIT in the real estate industry. Can you talk to me a little bit about the correlations and also some of the new challenges that mobility as a service brings to the transportation industry? Sure. So REITs are real estate industry entities which essentially buy and operate large quantities of property. Very typically, you'll see office buildings like that because it doesn't make sense for individual company to fully staff 
a building with all the services, it makes a lot more sense for a single entity to own those services as a centralized being and then have those services operating on multiple properties. You somewhat get uh, some economies of scale going on there. And you can see something similar happening with autonomous vehicles where you have these centralized agencies that just assume for right now, Lyft or Uber owning thousands upon thousands of vehicles in any city. And then they will get a lot of benefits for uh, the group maintenance of these vehicles or the group operations. And so by operating, let's just say 10,000 vehicles, they can operate any single vehicle cheaper than someone operating and owning one vehicle. And so you'll see towards mobility as a service where these vehicles are being bought and rented out, these large players essentially getting these economies of scale and owning and renting the vehicles. And I think it will just become more and more predominant over time. And as those companies acquire those fleets and start to deploy them, it seems that automation is inevitable. I can't see any other way that it would make sense financially or logistically to try and manage uh, such a large fleet of cars without some degree of automation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is somewhat done today. So you can look at some large uh, fleet management players and they do have rather intensive systems to do it. But as it becomes more and more predominant and more vehicles are like that, it'll be even more valuable to find new ways to increase the uptime of each vehicle and decrease the cost associated with maintenance. You are an MBA turned entrepreneur with a really aggressive eye towards improving transportation. What do you think could be the smallest form factor for an autonomous vehicle? I don't think there will be a significant imitation uh, for the size. I, I guess one question I'd ask you, are you asking for vehicles that will carry around humans or are you asking about vehicles that might just, you know, carry around groceries or something else? That is an excellent question. I did not think about groceries and, and robots and valet delivery services, but let's say for humans, do you think there's a form factor that that makes the most sense as this is as small as we can make it and still maintain a degree of safety? I think the safety issues will be more based on the human being transported in the interaction with the environment than the technology itself. Those might go hand in hand at times, but I don't think it will be, you know, this autonomous vehicle is really just, you know, autonomous roller skates that get me from point A to point B. That's a very Jetsons idea. I love the idea of autonomous roller skates. I mean, it, same thing. It's pretty much the same thing as a scooter, right? It's, you know, something small, something very transportable. I think the one big difference is something like that wouldn't be as shareable as you're seeing with this whole electronic scooter revolution happening over the last few months. I know that you're very interested in the synergy between blockchain and AI and how that affects our driving behaviors and routing and traffic flow and civil engineering and urban design. And I really want to talk to you about that because I know you have some really interesting ideas. Today, I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with Sasha Kucharzik, the co-founder and COO for Pretech. You can get more information by going to P-R-E-T-E-C-K-T dot com. Sasha, thanks so much for taking the time. I really have enjoyed this. No problem. And thanks for your time, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.